Section 14 of Omens and Superstitions of Southern India. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read for you by Chiquito Crasto. Omens and Superstitions of Southern India by Edgar Thurston. Chapter 5. Vows, Votive and Other Offerings. Part 3. I once saw a Mohammedan at Tumkur in Mysore whither he had journeyed from Hyderabad, who had a rupee tied around his arm, in token of a vow that, if he returned safe from plague and other ills to his own country, he would give money in charity. When a Mohammedan falls ill, a rupee and a quarter is sometimes done up in a red cloth tied round the arm to be given to the poor on recovery. Members of the poorer classes tie an anna and a quarter in like manner after performing a fateha ceremony. Should the sickness of a Hindu be attributed to a god or goddess, a vow is made, in token whereof a copper or silver coin is wrapped up in a piece of cloth dipped in turmeric paste and kept in the house or tied to the neck or arm of the sick person. A cock may be waved round the head of the patient and afterwards reared in the house to be eventually offered up at the shrine of the deity. A bather, whom I saw at Hospet in the Bellary district, had a quarter anna rolled up in a cotton cloth which he wore on the upper arm in performance of a vow. In an account of the cock festival at Kranganore in Malabar, whereat vast numbers of cocks are sacrificed, Mr. Gopal Panikar records that when a man is taken ill of any infectious disease, his relations generally pray to the goddess at Kranganore for his recovery, solemnly covenanting to perform what goes by the name of a Tulabaram or Tulupurusadhanam ceremony. This consists in placing the patient in one of the scale pans of a huge balance and weighing him against gold or, more generally, pepper and sometimes other substances deposited in the other scale pan. Then this weight of the substance is offered to the goddess. This has to be performed right in front of the goddess in the temple yard. At Mulki, in South Canara, there is a temple of Venkateswara which is maintained by Konkani Brahmins. A Konkani Brahmin who is attached to the temple becomes inspired almost daily between 10 and 11 a.m. immediately after worship, and people consult him. Some time ago, a rich merchant from Gujarat consulted the inspired man as to what steps should be taken to enable his wife to be safely delivered. He was told to take a vow that he would present to the god of the temple silver, sugar candy, and date fruits equal in weight to that of his wife. This he did, and his wife was delivered of a male child. The cost of the ceremonial is said to have been 5,000 rupees. In the Thulabaram ceremony, as performed by the Maharajas of Travancore, they are weighed against gold coins called Thulabarakasu, specially struck for the occasion, which are divided among the priests who perform the ceremony and Brahmins. The following quaint custom, which is observed at the village of Pulambadi, in the Trichinopoli district, is described by Bishop Whitehead. The goddess Kolanthal Amman has established for herself a useful reputation as a settler of debts. When a creditor cannot recover a debt, he writes down his claim on a scroll of palm leaves and offers the goddess a part of the debt if it is paid. The Palmyra scroll is hung up on an iron spear in the compound of the temple before the shrine. If the claim is just and the debtor does not pay, it is believed that he will be afflicted with sickness and bad dreams. In his dreams, he will be told to pay the debt at once. 
if he wishes to be freed from his misfortunes. If, however, the debtor disputes the claim, he can draw up a counter-statement and hangs it on the same spear. Then the deity decides which claim is true and afflicts with sickness and bad dreams the man whose claim is false. When a claim is acknowledged, the debtor brings the money and gives it to the pujari, who places it before the image of Kulantar Amman and sends word to the creditor. The whole amount is then handed over to the creditor, who pays the sum vowed to the goddess into the temple coffers in April or May. So great is the reputation of the goddess that Hindus come from about ten miles round to seek her aid in recovering their debts. The goddess may sometimes make mistakes, but at any rate it is cheaper than an appeal to an ordinary court of law and probably almost as effective as a means of securing justice. In former times no written statements were presented. People simply came and represented their claims by word of mouth to the deity, promising to give her a share. The custom of presenting written claims sprang up about thirty years ago, doubtless through the influence of the civil courts. Apparently, more debts have been collected since this was done, and more money has been gathered into the treasury. It is noted by the Reverend A. Margoshis that the Hindus observe a special day at the commencement of the Palmyra season in Tinnevelli, when the jaggery season begins. Bishop Caldwell adopted the custom, and a solemn service in church was held when one set of all the implements used in the occupation of Palmyra climbing was brought to the church and presented at the altar. Only the day was changed from that observed by the Hindus. The perils of the Palmyra climber are great, and there are many fatal accidents by falling from trees forty to sixty feet high, so that a religious service of the kind was particularly acceptable and peculiarly appropriate to our people. The story is told by Bishop Caldwell of a shannar, a toddy drawer, who was sitting upon a leaf stalk at the top of a palmyra palm in a high wind when the stalk gave way and he came down to the ground safely and quietly sitting on the leaf which served the purpose of a natural parachute the festival of ayutha puja worship of tools or implements is observed by all hindu castes during the last three days of the dasara or navratri in the month of puratasi september to october it is a universal holiday for all hindu workmen even the Brahman takes part in this puja. His tools, however, being books, it is called Saraswati puja, or worship to the goddess or god of learning, who is either Saraswati or Hayagriva. Reading books and repetition of Vedas must be done, and for the purpose of worship, all the books in a house are piled up in a heap. Non-Brahmins clean the various implements used by them in their daily work and worship them. The Kamalans, artisans, clean their hammers, pincers, anvil, blowpipe, etc. The Chettis, merchants, clean their scales and weights and the box into which they put their money. The racket marker at the Madras club decorates the entrance to the scoring box in which his rackets are kept with a festoon of mango leaves. The weaving and agricultural classes will be seen to be busy with their looms and agricultural implements. Fishermen pile up their nets for worship. Even the Bandiwala, cart driver, paints red and white stripes on the wheels and axles. I have myself been profusely garlanded when present as a guest at the elaborate tool-worshipping ceremony at the Madras School of Arts, where puja was done to a bust of the late Bishop Kell, set up on an improvised altar, with a cast of Saraswati above and various members of the Hindu pantheon around. At the festival held by the Koyis of the Godavari district in propitiation of a goddess called Pida, very frequently offerings promised long before our sacrifice and eaten by the pujari. 
it is not at all uncommon for a koi to promise to offer a seven-horned male that is a cock as a bribe to be let alone a two-horned male that is a goat being set apart by more wealthy or more fervent suppliants when smallpox or other epidemic disease break out in a gadaba village in Vizakapatnam, a little go-kart on wheels is constructed in this a clay image or anything else holy is placed and it is taken to a distant spot and left there it is also the custom when cholera or smallpox is epidemic in the same district to make a little car on which are placed a grain of saffron stained rice for every soul in the village and numerous offerings such as little swings pots knives ploughs and the like and the blood of certain sacrificial victims and this is then dragged with due ceremony to the boundary of the village by this means the malignant essence of the deity who brings smallpox or cholera is transferred across the boundary the neighbouring villagers naturally hasten to move the car on with similar ceremony and it is thus dragged through a whole series of villages and eventually left by the roadside in some lonely spot marching on one occasion towards humpy in the bellary district where an outbreak of cholera had recently occurred i came across two wooden gods on wheels by the roadside to whom had been offered baskets of fruit vegetables earthen pots bead necklets and bangles which were piled up in front of them it is recorded by bishop whitehead that when an epidemic breaks out in a certain village in the telugu country the headman of the village gets a new earthenware pot besmears it with turmeric and kunkuma red powder and puts inside it some clay bracelets necklaces and earrings three pieces of charcoal three pieces of turmeric three pieces of incense a piece of dried coconut a woman's cloth and two annas worth of coppers a strange collection of miscellaneous charms and offerings the pot is then hung up on a tree near the image of the village deity as a pledge that if the epidemic disappears the people will celebrate a festival it is further recorded by bishop whitehead that during the festival of mariamma at kananur in the trichinopoli district many people who have made vows bring sheep goats fowls pigeons parrots cows and calves to the temple and leave them in the compound alive at the end of the festival these animals are all sold to a contractor two years ago they fetched rupees four hundred a good haul for the temple between the madras museum and the government maternity hospital a small municipal boundary stone has been set up by the side of the road to this stone supernatural powers are attributed and it is alleged that in a banyan tree in a private garden close by a muni lives who presides over the welfare of the patients in the hospital and must be propitiated if the pregnant woman is to get over her confinement without complications women vow that they will if all goes well give a coconut beetle or flowers when they leave discharged patients can be seen daily going to the stone and making offerings on the day of their discharge their friends bring camphor and other articles and the whole family goes to the stone where the camphor is burnt a coconut broken and perhaps some turmeric or flowers placed on it the newborn child is placed on the bare ground in front of the stone and the mother kneeling down bows before it the foreheads of both mother and child are marked with the suits from the burning camphor if her friends do not bring the requisite articles the woman goes home and returns with them to do puja to the stone or it is celebrated at a temple or her house the offerings are removed by those who present them or by passers-by on the road the kudubi kutch katachu makers of south canada before the commencement of operations select an areka katachu tree and place a sword and axe and a coconut on the ground near it they prostrate themselves before the tree 
with hands uplifted, burn incense and break coconuts. The success of the operations is believed to depend on the goodwill of a deity named Siddhedevaru. Before they commence work, the Kudubis make a vow that, if they are successful, they will offer a fowl. A palmyra tree in the jungle near Ramnad, with seven distinct trunks, each bearing a goodly head of fan-shaped leaves, is, General Burton writes, attributed to the action of a deity, and the stones smeared with oil and vermilion, broken coconuts and fowl's feathers lying about, testify that puja and sacrifice were performed here. On the Rangaswami peak on the Nilgiris are two rude-walled enclosures sacred to the god Ranga and his consort, within which are deposited various offerings, chiefly iron lamps and the notched sticks used as weighing machines. The hereditary priest is an Irula, jungle tribesman. Certain caves are regarded by the Mudavars of the Travancore hills as shrines, wherein spearheads, tridents and copper coins are placed, partly to mark them as holy places, and partly as offerings to bring good luck. Prehistoric stone cells found in the bed of a river are believed to be the thunderbolts of Vishnu and are stacked as offerings by the Malayalis of the Shivaroy hills in their shrines, dedicated to Vigneshwara, the elephant god, who averts evil, or in little niches cut in rocks. Of a remarkable form of demon worship in Tinnevelli, Bishop Caldwell wrote that, an European was till recently worshipped as a demon. From the rude verses which were sung in connection with his worship, it would appear that he was an English officer who was mortally wounded at the taking of the Travancore lines in 1809 and was buried about 25 miles from the scene of the battle in a sandy waste, where a few years ago his worship was established by the Shannons of the neighbourhood. His worship consisted in the offering to his mains of spirituous liquors and cheroots. A similar form of worship or propitiation of demons is recorded by Bishop Whitehead from Malabar. He was told that the spirits of the old Portuguese soldiers and traders are still propitiated on the coast with offerings of toddy and cheroots. The spirits are called kapiri, probably kafirs or foreigners. This superstition is dying out, but it is said to be common among the fishermen of the French settlement of Mai. Mahe. On one occasion, a man who had been presented with two annas as the fee for lending his body to me for measurement offered it with flowers and a coconut at the shrine of the village goddess and dedicated to her another coin of his own as a peace offering and to get rid of the pollution caused by my money. End of section 14. Read for you by Chiquito Crasto, Birmingham, Alabama.